Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Ladies and gentlemen, today on An Actor Despairs, we have a very special episode with actress Haley Bennett, where we're here to talk about her film Cyrano. This is a little bit different than how I normally do them. I did this on a press day where she was busy in a lot of interviews, but she's amazing, and the film is amazing, and it's out now with her and Peter Dinklage and our former guest, Kelvin Harrison. Check it out. All right, here it is. Haley Bennett, welcome to An Actor Despairs. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, thank you. A little tired, been traveling all day. Nice. Uh, I, I love your, your aesthetic background. It's a beautiful tree. <laughs> I, I like to feel one with nature. Yeah, it does. It, it gives that aura very well. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I love your work. I, I discovered you in that film, Swallow, and it's such a titanic performance and a beautiful film and films like that, you know, are, are really rare these days with the, you know, IP saturation and franchise and reboots. And, and you were incredible in that film and it's so deep and exceptional. It's some, some of the finest work I've ever seen. And so I'm really excited to get to talk to you today. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Thank you. Swallow um, as an actor was a really, really important journey uh, an experience for me and I love that film it's incredible you know I've I've had so many people um reach out in appreciation for that to, to that film and that film um premiered right at the very very beginning of the pandemic yeah at Tribeca right uh it, it, yeah it opened up Tribeca and then a couple of weeks later it was meant to go to theaters and um, and that didn't happen, and it was really disappointing. Because, but amazingly, it it still found an audience, and um, and you know across the world, I've received messages of gratitude for for making that film, and and how important it was for um, for women uh, in Poland, uh, just everywhere across um, nations. So it's amazing the. Um, the effect of cinema. Yeah. It's, it's immortal. You know, it's the, one of the most powerful mediums in the world. And uh, I'm really excited to talk to you about all of it. But before we dig into the work, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Ohio. Um, and near Akron. I don't know if you're. Yeah. Gonna... Black Keys, man. Of course. I grew up near Akron. I traveled a lot. I had a very nomadic childhood. Um, I grew up mostly with my father. Um, and yeah, I've got a really, really big family. Most of my family hasn't left Ohio. Nice. Um, I'm one of the only people in my family that ventured out. I love that. Were you military child or just kind of like? My, yeah, my dad was in the Navy. Um, but he retired from the Navy when I was really young. So. Awesome. And I'm curious, you know, uh, how did your discovery and, and ultimate entry into the arts begin? Um, well, I started singing in church choir. <laughs> nice. Church choir. I was in a traveling girls choir when I was in primary school. 
Um, but I've always had an affinity for film. Um, Wizard of Oz was one of my favorite films and it just was a portal to another world, uh, a more colorful world than my own, I, sus I suppose. And, um, and yeah, I think The Wizard of Oz was, was, it, was probably one of the most significant films um, for me, just about kind of home and escape and um, finding a place where you belong. Yeah. Was there, you know, with, with Akron and, you know, middle America, it's, it can be tough. I grew up in Virginia. I, I didn't love it. Did you feel a yearning for a, a better city or something more interesting, you know, like that it was lacking something fundamentally that you really craved? Yeah. I mean, it's funny now in hindsight, you know, I, I didn't really have any concept of the world outside of my own world. Um, I didn't understand the difference between rich, poor, and middle-class, um, which, you know, I think is a good thing, you know, that, that there was an innocence about that, but, but, but certainly, you know, I, I felt a longing to express myself, um, and would seek out any form of expression that I possibly could. And for me, that was, that was probably music. That's beautiful. And when you entered the church choir, you know, did you know you had a voice or do you feel like that is where you found your voice? Um, I really admired the voices of the other singers. Um, and so I would study them. I, I didn't really have an understanding of, okay, that's good or that's bad. I guess, you know, you get validation early on and, and, you know, when, when you're validated, you know, then you want to keep doing what, what it is that, uh, that you're, you're being praised for. Yeah. Um, and so I suspect, you know, I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm being, you know, I'm told that I have a voice. So, you know, I want to keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, of course. And and did you immerse yourself in any kind of like community theater or drama? Um, no, there wasn't any community theater that I knew of. I didn't, I didn't really know to seek it out. Um, I didn't know that it existed. I, I, I feel like it sounds like I was living, you know, in a bunker somewhere, yeah. <laughs> but, but it didn't, I don't know. I, I didn't have a family that kind of encouraged me or, or, um, led me in that direction. Um, yeah, kind of church, church was very important and that was kind of the be all end all. Um, were you consuming? And then, and then later on, later on, I, 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 I loved art. So that was another form of, I loved writing. I loved literature. I loved art class. And, and so I think that like, I was always drawn to those kinds of forms of expression, anything that I could, um, anything that I could 
you know, put down on paper or, you know, I, so there were little tiny discoveries. And then eventually I did, you know, I, I think probably also drama was kind of like the nerdy thing to do. And I yeah. was really concerned with, you know, I, I wanted to be liked by others. And I thought, oh, well, you know, drama is not really a cool thing to do. So I should probably, you know, I don't know what I should do, but, but drama wasn't it. Um, and then I remember probably my, I think, freshman or sophomore year, um, I lived with my mom um, in Florida for a year. And it was kind of like a new me, a new identity. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I often felt like that as I, cause I, I, I didn't, I never went to the same school for, you know, more than two years. Um, and so I think that, you know, I kind of was bolder in my, my, you know, I, as I got older, I cared less about what other people thought about me. And then I, I enrolled in a drama course. Um, but I didn't, I wasn't, I don't think I was very good because I never got any significant parts. And I remember feeling really discouraged and um, and unworthy of like any you know leading roles because I remember I remember I think it was the first time I actually felt en- like real envy was listening to this girl sing uh, for for an audition in high school and she had the most beautiful voice and and also it was so cultivated. And uh, I had a vocal coach once, a very prominent vocal coach, <laughs> tell me that I had the voice of a farmer's daughter. <laughs> and uh, and that was, you know, that, that wasn't very long ago. Um, but it was probably true, you know, and, and this girl that I really envied had probably had parents that, you know, helped her cultivate her voice but um but you know I didn't have that opportunity to cultivate my voice or my talent until until much later in life that's beautiful and you know I I I heard you you got to move to LA relatively young what what attracted you to Los Angeles versus a New York you know where theater is Mm. I really wanted to end up in New York um, I, I went on a trip to New York when I was 13 and I was like, this is where I want to live. <laughs> um, and, and then, uh, I kind of lost interest in school. I wasn't very good at school. I later on learned I was dyslexic and, um, I think I had probably learning disabilities and ADD and whatever else. Um, so I really lost interest in school. And I, so what do you do when you lose interest in Move to Los Angeles. <laughs> um, so I, I gave myself three months uh, to, to, um, to live in LA. And if anything happened there, then, then great. And if not, I had no, Alter, I had no alternative. I had no idea what I would do. I, I wow. essentially dropped out of high school. and But luckily, um, I enrolled into an acting course and I experienced 
a lot of anxiety. I would break out in hives and I had terrible um, stage fright, uh, which, you know, isn't very useful for an actor. But at the same time, I had a an acting teacher who who took me under his wing and was like, I think you have potential. May I introduce you to some agents? And he did. And I then was represented by a tiny, tiny little agency called KSA in, in Studio City. And, um, and they sent me out on a handful of um, auditions. And my, my third audition was a film called Music and Lyrics. Yeah, classic. How did that feel? Um, great. Yeah, it was, it was validation. Um, but at the same time, I still didn't really feel worthy. I was like, oh, this, you know, this has to be, this must be some kind of mistake. Um, and then I remember, you know, sick, there, there was, it was a long process. Um, there was probably six auditions and I remember going to the school screen test and um I was emotionally distraught at the time um and I was performing a choreographed dance that I had learned the night before and uh and I just burst burst out in tears and and it was a screen test with um Mark Lawrence the director Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore and I was just entirely starstruck and humili- and I felt humiliated yeah. um, because I was, you know, performing this, this, you know, dance and I felt so out of my element and, uh, and yeah, you know, as an actor, I think in those situations of vulnerability and, and especially if you're very green, um, I think, you know, you, there's no place to hide in those situations. Um, and I think I just wanted to like hide. And, and I said, I said, I'm so sorry for wasting your time. I should go and, you know, please, I'm, I'm, I apologize. Like don't cast me. Uh, and I left the room crying and, uh, and I got a call from the casting director like 45 minutes later. And she said, would you come back and just work with Danny Carity, who is the, the, the choreographer? And uh, I said, are you sure? I, I, I don't know if I have it in me. Um, and she said, yes, of course. Um, no pressure. Just go and try, you know, and learn and see where, you know, where that, let's see where that goes. And then Mark Lawrence will come and he'll, um, he'll, uh, he'll, you know, he'll come in, you know, three hours once you, and just no pressure, whatever. And so I did. Um, and, and then I ended up having a lot of fun. I, you know, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the performance aspect. I enjoyed learning, um, and I felt I was able to um, get rid of those nerves a little bit. I think, you know, I think that's a, a lesson, a good lesson, you know, just, just doing and rehearsing and rehearsing and learning and, 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 you know, 
substituting that substituting that for fear. Um, yeah. That's beautiful. And do you feel like music and lyrics was simultaneously both your film and drama school in a lot of ways? <laughs> I mean, I was working with incredibly seasoned actors. So just having that um, experience that just being close to that was um, enlightening and relevatory and um, inspiring. It was inspiring and, and, uh, and I wanted more of that. I, I, I was like, oh, I, you know, I'm doing it and I'm learning and I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but this give you know, this gives me hope. Maybe, maybe I can make some more films. Maybe I can do this again. Yeah. And did you flex up to a bigger agency? And so you could start getting, you know, I mean, that's such an incredible project to get as your first one. I mean, that, that must've really opened the floodgates for you. Um, I continue to work with the agency that I was working with. Um, I did, and I, I, someone told me I needed a manager. So I met some managers. Jason Weinberg was, um, one of those, uh, one of those handful of managers that I'd met and I signed with him for a little while. Um, uh, I really liked him. He had an incredible roster of actors. Um, and just, yeah, took it from there. It, I think music and lyrics was good, but I don't feel like it opened a lot of doors. After that experience, um, some record labels wanted to, uh, you know, demo. They wanted me to demo, to make some demos to possibly, you know, do some music. And, and that just didn't feel um, organic. Uh, I wanted to continue acting and I knew that, and I, you know, I was really young, but I did know that like, okay, well, if I go that route, I'll, you know, it'll be, it, I, I love acting and I know that probably it'll be harder later down the road to, um, to act if I, I continue on that, on the road of singer. Um, and maybe I could do it the other way around one day, or maybe I could continue to sing in films and, yeah. And that would be enough because uh, it wasn't like I was, I was a songstress. I wasn't, if I, if I ever made music, I'd want to write it myself. I'd want it to come from a, an authentic place um, rather than, you know, singing someone else's music. That didn't, that, that was really uninteresting to me. I love that. I respect that. And as you had the success, you know, how did you buoy yourself? Because Los Angeles, you know, there's no shortage of traps out there to, to fall. You know, what was your anchor? Uh, Trying to think of. Um, well, I was really stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was really, really stupid and I have never taken an easy route. I remember 
because I'd never made money before. <laughs> so I did something really, really dumb. I spent all of my money that I made on music and lyrics, which was a considerable sum. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't really have the proper guidance to be like, save your money, <laughs> you know. Uh, um, so <laughs> what I should have done is, you know, started a savings account <laughs> and then, you know, just continue to do work that that was meaningful to me but it's been it's been a winding road you know it hasn't been a straight path for me um but I really loved that that used Mercedes SUV (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's amazing and did you ever go back to Ohio or once that happened you stayed in LA Yeah, I stayed in, I stayed in LA for a while. I I did end up living in New York for quite some time, which is how I got involved in Cyrano. Um, Perfect segue. So talk to me about that because you guys did a a play or stage version, I should say, first, right? Yes, indeed. I was, um, I was living in New York and I wanted to get involved in theater because it was something I'd never really done. And I met with my agent and I asked him to think of me if anything uh, came up. And actually the next day he called and he said there was a musical and a workshop phase and asked if I would come for a simple reading. And I went up to Broadway and the national was there and Peter and Erica were there. And it felt like a rehearsal environment and it was so enjoyable and safe and creative. And it was a chance to really be bold without having these lofty consequences. Um, And I fell in love with everyone and the material and that lasted a week and I loved it. And Erica called me a couple months later and asked if I would, um, if I would get involved in, in the good speed uh, theater production. And I, I said, I would love to. But I was shocked at this point. I was like, I've won the lottery. I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be on the stage. I'm going to be, you know, I'm I'm a stage actress. I'm a stage actress now. (laughs) Was this, so this was your first stage appearance? Yeah. Yeah. Besides like, you know, a little chatty lady in the background in a high school musical. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. That's amazing. And what was the development or rehearsal or, you know, I guess workshop? phase of this like um uh, so the so there was two different I guess there was there were several phases um there was the workshop where it was just simple reading uh with other theater New York theater actors um and and I really got into it I really really like I really, I wasn't just there. I, I, I put my, I put my soul into it. Um, and I felt like that was kind of necessary and, and really the nationals music kind of informed a lot of that. I really enjoyed utilizing my voice. Um, this was many, many years ago. It was a, a long time ago now. This was probably, I was 27. This was probably five years ago. Wow. Um, so it's been a long journey. And then we did the 
the stage production. By the time I had finished the stage production, I was eight months pregnant. Um, and I didn't tell anyone. So people in the audience may have just thought I had. <laughs> That's badass. I love and that. Then, and then when I was going off Broadway, I just had a baby and I'd got, and I'd gotten a role in Ron Howard's Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah. And I wanted to focus on that opportunity instead of being away from my baby every night. But there was still a part of me that felt like I wasn't done with Roxanne. Yeah. And and then Joe had seen our production in Connecticut and he was immediately interested in adapting it for the screen. And then when COVID hit, he realized the story mattered more than ever. Um, we don't need a pandemic to feel isolated. A lot of yeah. people feel like they don't deserve love and they found a way to do this production in a very safe bubble in Sicily. And I got to play the role again and explore it for the screen. So you kind of boomeranged it in a way. And I'm curious, you know, like as the pandemic broke out and there was a question, you know, I'm an actor, there's a question mark for all us creators and creatives, you know, if we were ever going when we were ever going to get to do this again. So how did it feel when you got the news that not only were you going to be doing this again, but you're going to be doing it in the middle of a, a, a very dark time on this planet? Um. It was such a, you're right. It was, it was such a, it was such a dark period, I think for all of us. And we were just craving human connection yeah. and, and then to have this opportunity to make a film, not just a film, but a musical and that being such a, um, you know, the songs are such a beating heart of the film um and and we all needed the escape we need art yeah. to escape more than ever art has always been and always but will be a way to connect and so we were all just incredibly grateful for that opportunity oh i love it i got two um, shiva inus outside the door uh early she's in here sorry I love you. Go on. I haven't seen her in months. She was tiny the last time I saw her. Oh. Um, but it was something that we, you know, sometimes working on a film or, you know, on a stage production, you take it for granted. But there was no taking this for granted. And it was incredible just, you know, knowing that, you know, we were able to satiate that kind of need to create but also you know just putting people back to work was um getting people back to work felt like a felt like a huge responsibility so did you start filming this summer 2020 no we um erica sent joe the the the, the you know the last draft they'd been working on the screenplay for a couple of years mm -hmm. um and she sent that to him in june and eric fellner said there's no way this is gonna happen right now you have a five percent chance of getting this made and joe being the madman that he is that he is said okay that's great that's good enough for me five percent and then five became 20 and 20 became 50 and 50 became 80 and and every day we were you know, 
biting well, our nails off. Yeah. And, and I'm curious. And, now, and even now, you know, here we are a year, a year later and all of our press is being canceled. And, and yeah. I don't know, you know, we made this film to connect with each other. We made this film to connect with audiences. And so that audiences would connect with each other. And here we are and everything feels so disconnected. Um, disconnected um and so you know i just want people to make these you know find significance in making these connections because it's it's really important we can't we can't hide and and given that you already had you know obviously the rapport with with erica and peter and and joe as well i'm very curious you know having done this you know it on stage it's a different medium so when you guys came to do the film and as you got these new drafts of the screenplay, was it, you know, was there a conversation about how can we translate this to, to film? Like, what do we need to change? Like what songs are working? What isn't? What moments need to elongate? Or, you know, was it kind of just a very natural, you know, moving of, of one medium to another? Um. I think some things were natural and then other other parts needed more consideration. Um, the music was probably the um, you know, the cinematic language and how it related with the music was incredibly important to Joe and, and just making sure that the music would always move the narrative forward and, and that that the music didn't, that, that the music, it wasn't so, you know, it, it, it wasn't so laconic. Mm -hmm. um, it needed to have a very specific pace that that Joe kind of envisioned and, and he worked with Bryce and we were really lucky to have Bryce on, you know, on site with us, on set with us, working on the music day in and day out. Um, he also, um, he wrote a lot of the score on set. So he also it composed the music and it, it really, to me, it has that atmosphere. It has that sense of longing and isolation and, um, and, and, uh, and desire. And, and, and so you can really feel the, the, it really has an atmosphere to it of this period, this hit, this period, this history and time. The album is out and, um, some of my favorite pieces are, are not the, the, the songs with lyrics. It's, it's yeah. that beautiful emotional, um, texture that Bryce created when writing um, in Sicily on, on, on location. That's so beautiful. He, he did a fantastic job as well as you, you know, did you guys, you know, when you, when you started production, was there a question of whether you were going to record first or sing live or was there always a decision? There was always a decision decision. Joe was, adamant that we sang everything live and there there was resistance from you know the national from Bryce and Aaron we are not singers we're actors who can can convey emotion through our voices and maybe carry a tune um but that that was kind of less important to Joe um 
I think what's so what what's so beautiful about the music and what set, you know the songs are the beating heart of the film they've been directed and acted in such a way that there is a a fluidity between the dialogue and the songs and we sang all the songs live so they have a very human quality to them and I think that that's what Joe wanted to capture. It's not like what you would hear on the radio or in other films. Um, the audience is, we wanted to bring the audience in and allow them to experience the nuance of emotion that we were experiencing in, in the moment. And that's what I think sets the, this musical part. It has a very special quality that has a heartbreaking effect to me. Um, the music allows you closer access to the performer. Yeah. Um, and that's also what I love about the Nationals music as well. And they beautifully translated that um, to this film. As a viewer, you feel like you're beside the performer rather than behind, yeah. you know, behind glass. There's such a, a, an emotional... And, and yeah, yeah, you know, I, you don't get that in in musicals that do that later. And you were so fantastic in this. And you know, I mean, it, it's tricky enough having done a production, a live one, of bringing the same character live every night. But when you're doing it for a uh, different, you know, piece of, of of art, you know, what did you? Were there things that you you lost that you did in the production or new things you found in Roxanne? I'm trying to. Oh, it's okay. I'm trying to fix my light. You look perfect. I I, I can't it's, even tell a difference. No, it's it's actually just not standing. It's not up. Is it a ring light? Is it hit it on is. the... It's just kind of balancing on top of my computer. Oh, I know how that goes. Oh my god, because it, it's not quite low enough, so I've very unsuccessfully rigged it. Can I get a gaffer? <laughs> Do you have like a uh, like a like a middle point of the laptop so it can? Oh, is it good? I think so for now. Um. So I'll I'll cue you back in. So when you did you know the performance, you know it's hard enough bringing a character alive and the truth to her every night for eight shows a week, you know, and then when you're translating it to another medium, you have to find, I don't want to say something new necessarily, but, uh, you know, something, something fresh. And, uh, you know, so what was your process like for that? Well, it was an incredible opportunity. I've never had an opportunity to grow with a character like this and, you know, not like in television or, but actually with the same kind of material and, and narrative. Um, it was an incredibly personal experience for me having, you know, started this journey as a single woman longing to be on stage and that, you know, being fulfilled to then being on the verge of motherhood and, and, and now a mother and a partner. And I could feel that love deepening throughout the whole process. And that was yeah. vital to me, given that it is a film about love and intimacy. Um, but when given the opportunity to play Roxanne, there was a voice in my head that said, you're not capable. You're not worthy. Wow. You don't have what it takes to embody a woman who is bold and brave and brilliant and daring 
with gravitas um, and as true as 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 untrue as those thoughts were, they crushed my confidence. And I shared that all with my mentor, Greta, and with her help through the development of the character for the, for the film, um, I found a solution because I wasn't going to let anything stop me from, from realizing my dream. I, 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 you know, I'd waited long enough to, um, continue to to discover the this character um and so the solution well one of the solutions because I spent months and months and months working on the development of the character but I studied women both women from history and modern women who inspired me powerful women who refused to stand in the shadows uh women in all different types of circumstances of oppression. And I called this aspect of my character red lips. And I went through the script and I marked the pages where I felt like Roxanne was wearing those red lips. And I also employed the red lips when I was scared um, or when I felt unwanted vulnerability and old fears creeping into my performance because it was really important to me that, um, that, that, you know, it's not that there's not vulnerability because there is a lot of vulnerability in the, uh, portray, you know, within the story, within, within her journey, but I wanted that to be very specific and she needed to, I just wanted her to have a kind of energy to her and, and that wouldn't be possible if I were hiding, um, and, uh, so I have to credit Greta and those strong women who empowered me and uh, they empowered me with a fearlessness and a, a modern feminine spirit. And I think, you know, that that really captures what I think the others have been saying is modern about, about my, uh, interpretation of Roxanne. Yeah, it's such I even, beautiful. I even wrote a song for my daughter called Ruby Red Lips. Um, and I sang it to her every night during production. And in fact, I've been wanting to ask Aaron if he would um, consider producing it for me for, for Virginia. Amazing. Um, it's a bit of a it's a bit of an anthem about fearlessness and um, and not hiding uh and worthiness that's so beautiful well that seems to be a reoccurring theme in, in your work and the way you approach it and you, you're outstanding and congratulations on the film it's it's so beautiful and i'm so glad you got a chance to do it and and now it's lived in immortality and the, and the world's going to discover it and celebrate it because okay. you put such truth to it and uh you know i'm getting the heads up on on we don't have much time left so final two questions okay. for you uh, first one's a little bit deeper, but I'll just give them in order. First is, you know, if you were to, to go back and, uh, you know, in time and if you could tell yourself something or to any of the young actors or aspiring artists listening, what advice would you have them? And then the second one's just what's, what's next for you? Advice. Simply. 
You are worthy. You are worthy of love and you are worthy of goodness. Awesome. Easy. Love it. And, and what's next for you? Uh, whew. I, uh, I just wrapped on a film called Till, um, which was an incredible experience for me uh, creatively and personally. I learned so much. It's about the death, uh, the tragic and horrible lynching of Emmett Till in and um and borderlands eli roth the best yeah yeah it was really wonderful to work with eli an incredible cast um and i also um filmed a a tiny little independence full full feature uh we shot it in six days it's all um improv-led film called She is love, and um, I'm also developing a project with Molly Asher and Joe. Um, she was our producer on Swallow. She also produced Nomadland last year. Okay. Um, so we're developing a project called Brood, um, and it's a first-time um, novelist called Jackie Polzin. It's a really beautiful story. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to and excited about that and uh, and developing a couple of other projects that uh, that I can't talk about, but that I'm also really excited about. I'm, I'm excited to continue um, producing and uh, and using my voice to create projects that speak to me. I love that. Well, Haley Bennett, I appreciate all that you do. I live here in New York City, so I hope you finally do make that Broadway debut and I'll come see you. And uh, I'm sending you so much love and gratitude for all that you do. You're, you're an artist and it means so much. And I look forward to all that's to come. Thank you. Have a lovely day. Bye. You too. Much love. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.